This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. You tuning in tonight, so Connor McDavid, two-game suspension. Get more on that on 630Chet.com. Oilers and Ducks tomorrow, 630 face-off show. We'll drop the puck here at 8 with the play-by-play on 630Chet. Tonight, Flames and Ducks just getting underway. The Wild lead the Red Wings 3-1. Avalanche up 2-1 in Chicago. Blue Jackets with Matt Duchesne in the lineup against the Senators. He just had to walk down the hall after being traded to the visitors' dressing room. Blue Jackets leading the Senators 2-0 in the second period. Spurs up 95-93 on the Raptors three minutes into the fourth quarter. This afternoon here at Claire Drake Arena, Pandas beating the Saskatchewan Huskies 2-0. Game one of the best of three. Canada West semifinal. Another shutout for Kirsten Chamberlain. Six in the regular season, 17 more saves today. Posnikoff and Boucher had the goals, and they are just lining up here at Claire Drake Arena for game one of the Golden Bears and the Dinos. It's a Canada West semifinal, but Canada West gets the top two teams into nationals in Lethbridge. So the winner of this series goes to nationals and the Pronghorns will be there as well as the number eight seed. We'll talk about that with uh, Evan Dom from Canada West as we get into the next half hour of the show. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken brunch northern chicken style hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price Got your happy price, Priceline. Buttermilk biscuits, sausage, gravy, and smashed potatoes. Sundays, 11 a.m. until 2. Visit NorthChickenYEG.com. We're back in a minute to Claire Drake Arena. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. This is always fun. We're making our annual visit to Claire Drake Arena for a playoff game. Dinos and Golden Bears about to drop the puck. Evan Dom is a communications and marketing specialist or something of the sort for Canada West Conference. I refuse to memorize your entire title. Just that Canada West long. guy. You're from Canada West. Yeah, that works for me. You like talking about it. You're a friend of Inside Sports, and you're on for the Northern Chicken. Oh, that's huge. I absolutely love Northern Chicken. I've actually dragged my wife there a couple of times. I shouldn't say drag. She likes she chicken, likes too, so too. you don't have to drag anybody for fried chicken. Golden Bears and Dinos about to face off. This is incredible. The Bears have won 15 consecutive playoff series against the Dinos. They're all best of three in Canada West. 
they've, they haven't lost a game. 30 consecutive playoff game victories yeah. against the Dinos. Yeah, the last time the Bears dropped a game to the Dinos in the playoffs, Bob Stoffer was planting trees, actually. That's how long it's been. It's incredible. I mean, the, the string of success the Bears have had against the Dinos in the postseason is, is really remarkable. And they, they have some tidbits of uh, history against other teams like that in the postseason, but nothing to that extent. I mean, obviously, they faced them a lot uh, over the last 20 years or so, uh, them as well as Saskatchewan. And those have been the two rivals the Bears have had over the last couple decades. So tell me a little bit about Canada West. Obviously, the Bears have pretty much always had a good team going back a long way. I remember actually my final year of uh, university, they, they struggled a little bit. I think they barely made the playoffs, and then your dad came in after that, and the program got going a little bit. So Saskatchewan and Alberta have been the top two teams almost every year for the last... Are we going back about 20 years now for the Bears-Huskies era? Yeah, basically. I mean, that 20-year stretch has been those two teams at the top of the conference. Before Alberta went on this string of dominance against the Dinos, it was Calgary that had the best team in the conference for a couple of seasons. But, yeah, it's really been a, a two-program sort of battle at the top between the Bears and the Huskies. And the one and two seeds heading to the playoffs this season as well. And Saskatchewan will get their series underway tonight in Saskatoon against Mount Royal. And um, if they hold serve, it'll be, it'll be Bears-Huskies for the Canada West Finals and just a single point separating them in the regular season standing. So it doesn't get much tighter than that. So let me ask you this. And look, this is not uncommon in university sports, Canada, the United States, where there are dominant programs that stay that way for a long time. I mean, even, even if you look at SEC football, there's still even tiers within that league, even though it's the best football uh, conference in the United States. You know, Ohio State's generally good if you want to go big... 10 or however many teams they I think they have 14 teams but it's the big 10 might have 16 now um, so how could how could a team I mean Manitoba did have a push a few years ago but I mean Lethbridge has never been that that strong uh, you know UBC and Regina those are generally the bottom three teams how does how does a team possibly break into the elite ranks in, in Canada West? Well, I think they're still searching for the answer to that, Reid. I mean, Calgary had a couple of years where they were right there knocking on the door, and it's it's a sustained excellence that's impressive about the two programs in Alberta and Saskatchewan because any team can, not any team, but it's a lot easier to have one really good year with a core group of guys who maybe are in their fourth or fifth seasons, and it's another thing to do that for four or five, six seasons in a row, and in the case of Alberta and Saskatchewan, you're really looking at 20 years in a row, so it's, it's exceptional in terms of the ability for them to recruit, and it almost becomes a, a self-recruiting cycle where you, the program sells itself to an extent. Um, but at the same time, it takes people to be stewards of the program and make sure that it's in a good place. And in Saskatchewan, they've had Dave Adolph um, over the course of that entire stretch. And then here at Alberta, there's obviously been a number of head coaches over that period, but they've been able to pass the baton from one to another. And uh, I think a big part of it is... The alumni associations at both those schools are very strong, very committed, very engaged. So aside from providing scholarship money and those type of things, there's a huge pride in being part of the program. The alumni associations take care of the guys after they're out of the program in terms of finding professional connections. So you can really sell the whole experience when you're at those two schools and you have that foundation around it. Luke Philp has had an outstanding year for the Golden Bears leading scorer in, in Canada West. Uh, I know he's been looked at by uh, half a dozen NHL teams, both here in Edmonton and other stops in Canada West. Craig McTavish and Scott Housen are here tonight from the Edmonton Oilers. I'm not suggesting they, they wouldn't enjoy coming to a university hockey game anyway, but given their role within the Oilers, I'm sure they're taking a look, and I, I would make a very educated guess that Philp would be a focus. 
now what are what are the options for a, a young man like that if he were to decide to go perhaps AHL or ECHL would that be it for him ever to play university again well it would be at this stage I don't think I don't think Phil leaves the program if he's not going to have an opportunity to really stick in the American Hockey League next okay. season Reed because if he's going to be given an opportunity to play in the East Coast League why not come back for another season here finish up his degree and then go play in the East Coast League so it's a situation where I think it's AHL or bust for him next season in terms of where he wants to play um, you know there's a couple of guys in this game that I think might have an opportunity to play at a pretty high level in terms of pro after their university careers. Two are with the Bears. Obviously, Philp is number one. Fram's another guy on the back end who's very highly touted. And I think Riley Sheen's a pretty good player for Calgary, and he was 34-point guy for them this season and somebody who has the potential to play pro down the road, whether that's in the ECHL or, or over in Europe. But I wouldn't be surprised if his hockey career continues well after his time at the UFC. Kevin Dom joining us on Inside Sports. We're up top at Claire Drake Arena, where up top is a lot closer to the ice than it is at Rogers Place, I can tell you that. I almost feel like I could reach out and grab the puck. We're uh, three minutes in, no score between the Bears and the Dinos. And Luke Philp is, I mean, you know this, uh, I like the stories away from the rink too. Uh, Philp had a really serious lung puncture, did he not? Yeah, and he's had a couple of injuries over the course of this season that have held him out of the games. Like if, if he missed four games, regular season games this uh, this year, and if he's in those four games, uh, he's easily a 50-point guy, and that's a threshold that you just don't see guys get to at this level. So to get 47 in, in 24 games is pretty pretty remarkable for him and, and a guy who has overcome some injuries in his career. Um, you know, just a <laughs> he's a really good player, and... You don't have to have me tell you that if he puts up 47 points at this level, but just incredibly consistent. Three games without a point this year. So 21 games with a point. I mean, that's incredible. That's pretty good. All right. And this is such a busy weekend for U of A, and we had the Pandas win this afternoon, 2-0 over Saskatchewan. I had Alex Posnikoff on the show earlier this week, and she's one of the... Well, I, you know, people were saying I was being a homer in the first half hour talking about McDavid that I don't think he should have got suspended. I'll gladly be a homer with Poznikov. She might be the best female university hockey player in the country. I, I think she is. I, think I mean, she is. She so led the being, country not, in scoring. So that's so that there's there's some evidence right there. The, but the, also the Pandas defend, and I know women's hockey is a little lower scoring. Canada West has been a low scoring league. But to allow, to have now allowed 24 goals against in 29 conference games, that's a, that's just shocking. And you know what? A lot of it has been has been goaltending. The goaltending has been excellent for the Pandas this season. I was talking with head coach Howie Draper after the game about it, and Chamberlain gets her seventh of the season. She had six in the regular season, and then gets one today. Her first Canada West career shutout in the playoffs, and she was excellent. And, and you know, Howie was talking about how they play the game, which is aggressive. They take some opportunities to try and uh, set up some offense. So. You know, he admitted that sometimes they hang the defense out to dry a little bit, and the, the goalie has to stand on their head at certain moments of the game when they're when they're pushing the envelope, so to speak. So, to give up that low uh, a number of goals against, and to play the way they do, you need to have confidence in your goaltending. And they like all three goalies they have in the mix. And quite frankly, um, you know, any one of the three could be a starting goaltender at a number of programs across the country. And uh, you know, even in Canada West, where the goaltending is so deep this year. In women's hockey it's remarkable you have goalies up over the 940 save percentage mark that's just I mean that's that's unheard of to have the uh, caliber of goaltending that we have in the conference right now busy weekend for U of A at Savile Center with a triple header 
both uh, Pandas and Golden Bears volleyball and then Golden Bears basketball in the evening. The, the volleyball is at an earlier stage in their playoffs. It's quarterfinals for the Bears against UBC. It's semifinals in men's basketball with a, a spot in nationals on the line there as, as well. It's going to be an automatic berth for the top two teams. And Brody Clark, I got to have him on the show about three weeks ago. Yeah. And w- what a season. He had first 40-point game for the Bears since Alex Steele about 10 years ago when I was calling <laughs> calling games on CJSR and on on webcast and and Clark, I mean, you talk about tradition and passing things down. Brody Clark says Bears assistant coach Jordan Baker, big part of why he's had such a great year. Yeah, I mean Jordan's done a lot of things with the program away from the court, um, a variety of fundraising things, um, some administrative tasks. He's obviously coaching, so he's on the on the floor with the guys at practice all week. Um, but I heard Barnaby Craddock talking about the impact uh, of Jordan Baker on. Brody's game this season and you can really see it come through and when you look at you know Brody Clark he's a guy who's very good academically Uh, he's in the engineering program here at the U of A and if he puts together another quality season like he did this year in 1920 I think he's a, a player that could potentially be a player of the year caliber guy in the conference and uh couple that with the academic side of things for him in the engineering program and he could be uh, a blg nominee is there still academy pizza here on campus in hub mall oh i don't know i haven't been in hub mall in Maybe probably either. since I, just, I graduated I just got a text so. from someone who's uh, delivering pizza tonight he says reed you can't order he put pizza academy but wasn't it called academy pizza? i think so yeah either way he says uh, try domino's so i guess domino's gets a plug and academy pizza they used to have a great deal in Hub Mall, you get like a small pizza and a beverage for like probably four bucks. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. With inflation, when we'll, is that now? Nine? Go, yeah, we'll go after and see. There we go. We'll go scout it out. Hub Mall. More with Evan Dom from Canada West Conference. We're live at Claire Drake Arena. Inside Sports on 630 Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 7.22 Inside Sports live from Claire Drake Arena. Seven and a half minutes into the first period. No score. Golden Bears and Calgary Dinos. Game one of the Canada West semifinal. Uh, Saskatchewan and who's the other semi? Mount Royal. So Saskatoon. Saskatchewan wins. They host the winner of this series. That's right. Obviously Saskatchewan favored. And they have a new rink there, right? No, they don't have asbestos central anymore? No. Uh, that's not what it was called, obviously. A Rutherford rink. Yeah. And they, <laughs> last year... Um, Obviously, that was the last season at Rutherford Ring. Now they're in Merlis Belcher Place, which is a really nice, just plus 22, you know, 2200 seat facility right on campus there. Uh, an excellent place to, to watch a hockey game, aside from some of the netting that's on the side that's a little bit uh, intrusive. But no, an excellent move for them in terms of that program and getting them into a fitting home. Because in Rutherford, I had the, the joy of watching probably, I don't know, seven or eight games there over the course of the last five years and they would have rust delays rust delays so yeah so if the I puck went assume up and, there's asbestos in there there probably is but it didn't fall to the ice at least so the puck <laughs> would hit the uh girders or whatever above the ice surface and depending on how hard the shot was that de- you know determined how much rust came down so they'd come out there and scrape the rust off the ice and you know quite frankly if i was a coach i would just tell my guys to fire it into the ceiling instead of taking a time out because yeah you get to keep that in your back pocket but it was it was unique it was a unique place to watch a game you could barely see anything so i i use the term watch very loosely some quick hitters with you evan evan dom from canada west conference joining us he's uh and a repeat guest on Inside Sports, and we have, uh, well, we discussed parade routes and parade etiquette in the summer. Oh, we did, when yeah. K-Days was going on. That was fun. 
Uh, Connor McDavid, two-game suspension. I, I, I thought it was going to be a fine. And the thing is, the NHL doesn't give out a lot of one-game suspensions. I know Malkin got one, but they tend to either go fine or two. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the two games? Well, we were talking a little bit about it off-air there, but I think from my standpoint, at, at times it's hard to know what the standards are, and it's hard to apply standards that you don't necessarily have. So, you know, discipline with any sort of... It's always a gray area. There's no black and white. It is consistently gray. And, you know, some of the things that people are talking about with the discipline at the NHL level is the same things you'll hear at our level or at the Western Hockey right. League level. Any sort of contact sport where there's the potential for plays on the edge, you're going to have that conversation. I mean, it's not curling and it's not golf where everything is, is basically self-policed and there's no, there's no contact. It's not a, a moving sport at that level. So it, it's just consistently gray area so I mean I don't know I, I don't think that the suspension was necessarily warranted but at the same time whenever there's discipline from the NHL and people are outraged I'm like why it's always confusing there's no clarity well, around that's anything. why people get outraged because they just want it to make sense most of the time I don't I don't know if it ever is going to and I just think that's going to be the age-old tale it's just like people are always going to have something to say about the officiating it's just one of those components of sport you're such a nihilist <laughs> I don't even know if that applies to what you were saying. Matt Kuchar, a couple weeks ago, came out, promised his caddy $5,000, yes, yeah. won the tournament. You're still there you go, you buddy. Or gave him 50. I thought he said that he, he gave him more than they agreed to. I think oh, yeah, he, he promised him $4,000. That's right, and he gave him an extra five. grand just to be a gentleman. And he, I read the article, and he basically said, what? I mean, this is what we agreed to. It was a verbal contract. This is typical standard operating procedure on the PGA. But it wasn't play, it was played in Mexico, not in the U.S. Well, so it wasn't his regular caddy. No, but what, I mean. Five or ten percent. But And he made it sound like that was a great haul for the guy, and it might have been, but... I don't know. I just thought it was. I mean, it was I, cheap. I thought, it was Kuchar's, I thought Kuchar's one of the nicer guys on the on the tour. I guess. Uh, yeah, maybe, apparently. Maybe I overestimated him. Nice to his <laughs> colleagues who are players. <laughs> who cares about the caddies who so are. So if you won a tournament, by. you'd give, I'd the, give the entire more. thing to the caddy oh, if I ever won a tournament. Because I'd be so happy <laughs> that I won a tournament. Because <laughs> it's never going to happen. He'll golf for free, everybody. That's right. Oh, the Dinos just scored. Was that Pusenius, their star defenseman? Uh, Gibson. Gibson. Good slapper from the point. All right, so the Dinos go just their second shot on goal, 9-13 into the first period. They go up 1-0 on the Bears. We'll keep you updated from Claire Drake Arena. One of the new Eskimos, one of the many, Anthony Orange, when we get back to Claire Drake Arena. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The Nuge. Big goal against Arizona on Tuesday. Sorry for the pause there. I was leaning forward to watch action on the Golden Bears Dinos game at Clare Drake Arena. The Nuge with his uh, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation Gala dinner tonight. He's the honorary chair for that. Oilers and Ducks tomorrow at Rogers Place. We have it for you on 6.30, Chad. Face-off show at 6.30. The game will begin at 8. Connor McDavid will not play. Suspended two games for the headshot on Nick Letty of the Islanders last night. That was a big discussion point in the first hour of the show. Thanks to everybody who called in and texted. 
Jeremy, here's an interesting one from Jeremy. He says, uh, it took many years to get my wife to watch a game of hockey. This was last year. She picked up the rules quickly and enjoyed the game and the players' abilities. At the end of the game, I said, so will you watch a game with me next week? She looked at me and said, why would I want to watch a game that is so poorly refereed that it, make, that it makes it look set up? I was shocked by what she said, her first hockey game ever watched, and she says what we are all saying for years about the officiating. And I know there's a lot of people texting in here. There's two different streams of thought here with the officiating and the suspension, but I think they tie together in terms of rule enforcement and discipline, and that a lot of us are confused and sometimes don't feel it is uh, consistent. And, hey, you know what? For those of you who said McDavid got that you think two games is appropriate, that's fine. I don't think it is, and I don't think it is given how the NHL has handled other situations. That's really the crux of my argument. But, hey, like Evan Dom said, we're probably going to be debating it forever, and no one will ever be happy. about how the rules are or aren't enforced. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. The Blackhawks trail the Avalanche 3-2 in the third. The Blue Jackets have shut out the Senators 3-0. Matt Duchesne traded to the Jackets earlier today. He played for them tonight. The Wild lead the Red Wings 3-2 early in the third. No score in the first between the Ducks and the Flames. Jets and Golden Knights get underway in about half an hour. Last 10 seconds of the fourth quarter, Raptors lead the Spurs 118-117. Been a bit of a back-and-forth game. We'll see if the Raptors can hang on in the final second. Kawhi Leonard with 23 tonight for the Raptors. DeRozan with 23 for the Spurs. And here at Claire Drake Arena, it is 1-0. Dinos leading Golden Bears. Six minutes left in the first period. Shots are 10-2 for the Golden Bears, but the Dinos have the only goal of the night. Lots of pressure lately by Alberta, especially on a power play. They had three or four really good scoring chances, but just missed. Well, what an eventful month it's been for the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, their president and CEO left. Len Rhodes moving on to politics, believe it or not. And all those new free agents, remember nine of them signed last Tuesday, including this guy from the BC Lions defensive back, Anthony Orange. Anthony, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for making time for us. And uh, obviously, you're one of many players to join the Edmonton Eskimos in free agency. Tell me a little bit about your decision. Why did you decide Edmonton was the right team for you? Uh, man, you know, you know, free agency, especially this year, was a lot more hectic than the years before just because there were so many guys uh, going to free agency. But, um, you know, some of the guys that were going... You know, I had some contact with him, Trevor being one of them, and uh, some uh, some of the other guys. And you know, kind of figured, you know, if Mike was leaving, and you know, BC didn't want to bring me back, I kind of had to weigh my options, figure it out. You know, I need to go where there's going to be like a legit quarterback. And Trev told me he was going to end up there, and you know, Brock reached out, and it felt like a good fit. Told me some of the things that he was looking at doing, the guys that he was bringing in said that, uh, you know, he wanted me to come in and help out. And, you know, it just seemed like a good fit. You know, as the guy started to sign, you know, you start to get excited about it because you get all these, these these great players, man, and we're all we're all ready to play. So it's just it's just a really exciting thing right now for me. So what's, what's your relationship like with Trevor? I know you were uh, briefly with Ottawa earlier in your career, but it sounds like he did quite a bit of recruiting after he signed with the Eskimos because obviously he was a hand in getting Ellingson and Sir Vincent Rogers to come to Edmonton as well. Yeah, well, well I knew Trevor. I mean, my first, my first couple of years in the, in the CFR, I was in Toronto and Trevor was quarterback there. So I've known Trevor for, for quite some time now. And, uh, 
um, we got the same rep- representation as far as our agents go. So, you know, I was talking to him, trying to figure out, you know, where I wanted to be, if, if I kind of wanted to stick around BC and wait for, you know, an offer there, or or if I wanted to test the market. And it seemed like, uh, you know, they were doing some things in Edmonton, and I had been there before, you know, and doing over there and the whole uh, community you know in Edmonton is just is just you know it's it's unmatched in, in the CFL and I was I was really excited to see you know the the level of players that he was able to get just in one day and um, you know like I said I've known Trevor and yeah he did a little bit of recruiting you know I mean he's going to bring guys with him because you know everybody wants to play with a good a guy that, that can go to the great cover that's been there and you know has has that proven quality about him everybody wants to play with somebody like that so I mean, it was a no-brainer for me at that point. Anthony Orange joining us on Inside Sports, new defensive back for the Edmonton Eskimos. You know, Anthony, you played defensive back in uh, in the NFL and, and obviously in, in college at Fresno State. What was the transition uh-huh. like for you, if any, to uh, the Canadian Football League? Was it pretty big at that position? Were there any changes you had to make, or was it kind of like uh, you were doing this, most of the same things you were always doing? I mean, for me, like I came in playing boundary corner, pretty much the same thing I'm doing now, and it's it's probably one of the only positions that's relatively similar to the to the the American football because guys are usually stationary. The hardest thing for me was adjusting to the waggle, and I can't tell you how much I struggled with that in like mini camp and stuff my first year because guys are running full speed at you, you don't know how to slow them down, you know, you've never seen that before. So just you know, trying to adjust to that figuring out the timing of the routes, like everything's a little bit deeper because guys are running full speed, trying to get in their way, trying to slow them down, trying to figure out, you know, what the what what the whole offense is trying to do when they're running because it's completely different down south. You know, guys are moving side to side and not yeah um, up and down. So it's just it's been one of those things. The transition was fairly uh, – tough in the beginning but you know it's easy for me now i've got i've been doing it for a while now right well <laughs> coming off obviously a really good year uh with the bc lions now correct me if i'm wrong maybe you'll have to tell me about this did you not also play wide receiver when you were when you were younger what when did you actually settle on defensive back is there a story there <laughs> yeah yeah i did so i, pl- I played uh i was a wide receiver when i was in high school obviously everybody plays both both ways in high school and then I mean I was really good in high school and I got recruited to Fresno State actually as an athlete they didn't know if they wanted to put me at receiver or DB um, but then at the time I think it was Richard Marshall who was the, the corner there he ended up going to the league early so they had, they had a void there and they ended up putting me in as a true freshman trying to play and you know I had a little bit of success there and then you know the rest is history but I've always been a you know uh, a guy that wants to get my hands on the ball if I see it, you know, I've, like I said, I've had that receiver mentality since I was a kid, you know, if you throw the ball up, I think I can kind of get it or I have a chance at it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I played a little bit um, in college a little bit. They had some plays for me, you know, over there, but it was it, it never worked because I had a defensive number and every time I went on offense, they knew I was getting the ball. So it only happened a couple times, but yeah, man, and you know, it's one of those things I wish I could I could go out there and catch balls and go play defense. Okay, couldn't surprise anybody with the defensive number coming off coming out of the field with the offense. I guess that makes sense. Uh, you grew up in Bakersfield. I don't know if you know there's a connection here between Edmonton and Bakersfield. The Oilers uh, farm team is there. I don't know if you're a hockey fan at all. Yeah, I just heard about that. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I used to. We got the Condors here, right? And I heard that's like a sublet of the the Oilers. 
I used to work for them when I was in high school. And, you know, just talking to some of the guys up there, they were telling me about how there's, there's a lot of ties here from uh, Edmonton. And it's just, you know, why, why not one more? You know, add me to the list. So what did you do for the Condors? That's pretty cool. I was like, uh, you know how they got the, the Zamboni when they shoot the ice and stuff? I was one of those guys where the, the ice, the, the shavings came up, and I used to get the big, you know, the big shovel and sweep that off the ice. I was one of those people. Oh, so, so you're a pretty good skater then? Yeah, yeah, I can skate. Yeah, for sure. Oh, cool. Yeah, I can skate. Okay. I picked that up early. I had to, have to be on the ice, you know, just being out there. So I can skate a little bit. I'm not that's the greatest skater. I'm not a speed skater. Uh, you know the technicalities out there, but I can I can I can stay on my feet. Okay, so you're not coming to be a two sport athlete then. Just, you're not going to be the Bo Jackson football and hockey. Uh, so growing up, growing up in Bakersfield, I mean football's so big in the United States, but you know we just talked about hockey, soccer, baseball, basketball. What were there in, in track and all that kind of stuff? Did you have a, a co favorite or another sport you excelled at besides football? What were you into when you were a kid? When I was a man, when I was a kid, I played soccer. My I played soccer for ten years up until the point where uh, my my parents let me play football. You know, they didn't want me playing football because of the contact and all that stuff. And then I got to junior high, and that's when they let you know they started putting the pads on, and I they let me play the year before I went to high school because they know I was going to try to play in high school and. They wanted me to get ready for the contact. That was my first time. I played flag before that, but the first time putting the pads on uh, was right before I got into high school. I got into high school, played a little bit of football. I was more, you know, playing those added soccer and basketball, but those two sports were during the same season, and it kind of forced me to play basketball just because there wasn't – I didn't feel like – you know, there was too much of a calling in soccer. There wasn't a lot of guys going out for it. You know, there wasn't a lot of people showing up for games versus the basketball and the football. And I wanted to be, you know, where people wanted to see. You know, I had a chance at maybe getting a scholarship, something like that. So I was playing basketball most of the time. I ran track to stay in shape, played football. Um, I got to my junior season, and I was getting recruited in basketball. I skipped football completely my junior year. I didn't even play football came back to it my senior year because I missed it so much. I used to go to the games and be like, yo, I can help you guys out. Come back my senior year, we end up winning the whole thing. I'm getting all kind of offers from all these teams. And, you know, I decided to, you know, stay close to home, stay in the Valley, go up to Fresno State, you know, do my thing there, and the rest is history. You, so as a senior in high school, you, what, you won the state championship in football? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we won the whole thing, man. That's that's gonna be like hundreds of teams in California. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. It was a tough call, man. We we ended up. I think we lost our our second game of the season, and then we didn't lose another game going going out. Was, we had an amazing team, man. It was yeah, it was great. It was a great experience. Okay. And that's when I realized, like you know, football is is one of those things where you know the camaraderie is always there. You know, big games matter. Lots of people are, you know, the high school football Friday Night Lights. There's lots of people there. People come to see it. And it's just one of those, you get, if you're not a part of it, man, you miss out on it. And I, yeah, I wanted to be a part of that. Very cool. Anthony, tell us, in terms of your, your off season, uh, are you already like, you must be pretty heavy into your training. What's a typical day like for you or a typical uh, training session here? Uh, for, for me, you know, I usually get up. And, you know, eat something. And I, got, I like to take my dogs out. So I take my dogs out for a little walk, a little jog, depends. And then I head to the gym. The gym, you know, um, is around the corner. I work with a guy who's a sprint coach. 
and uh, he has a facility out here around the corner from my house. Go over there, and whatever the workout is, you know, he tailors it for for my specific needs. Whatever it is, I'll do a little workout. Um, if I have an injury or something, I'll get that looked at. You know, nicks and bruises, whatever it is, try to fix those, nip those in the bud. And then, you know, I'm I'm, I'm chilling for the rest of the day. I'm hanging out with my daughter, my fiance, my family, and um, you know, trying to get a little bit of cardio in while, while I got my daughter with me, trying to, you know, doing some some curls and stuff with my baby. But other than that, man, you know, my office is pretty pretty chill. I'm trained, and then I'm at home with my family most of the time. Okay, I got to ask you one more because I talked to Greg Ellingson a few days ago, and he's driving with his dog Odin to come to Edmonton. Are your dogs coming to Edmonton? Oh yeah, he's a big ass dog. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I'll be bringing, I'll be bringing my dog to you. He's, Greg's got a big, big dog. Yeah, his dog's Odin. I got a little Doberman. She's about one years old, and uh, you know, I actually got her when I was in Toronto. And when I was in Edmonton, I brought her with me. So she's been there before, and it's surprised she does actually really well in the cold. So I'll be bringing her back out there. And I know she's excited to meet Odin and see what's going on there. He's a big boy. All right, that sounds fun. Hey, Anthony, thanks for making time for us again. Uh, welcome back to the Eskimos. Going to be excited to see you play in the secondary. All the best. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. That is Anthony Orange, one of the many new guys for the Edmonton Eskimos defensive back. He was signed away from the BC Lions. Jason Fram scoring with a minute 34 left in the first period. Now into the first intermission at Claire Drake Arena, 1-1, Golden Bears and Dinos. Great story coming up this week, 6.30 Chet MVP, live on Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chen. We're live at Claire Drake Arena tonight. Big thanks to Angie Quinnell from our engineering department for getting us set up and on the air. Time for this week's 630 Chet MVP, courtesy Elite Promotional Marketing. This athlete was featured on Global News this past Tuesday. You can get the video in the MVP section on 630Chet.com, and the MVP also gets Under Armour Apparel. And this week's MVP from the Canadian Athletic Peewee AA team is Ethan Hughes. Ethan, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing, sir? Pretty good. You? I'm doing very well. Thanks for making time for me tonight, Ethan. Man, you have you have quite a story. I, I understand you had something called a Wilms tumor a couple of years ago. What was yeah. that? Well, it was a, um, a tumor in my right kidney, and it was, it was a form of cancer. Wow. Okay. So, what did you have to to do to get to get through this? Did you have to do chemo and that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's go 19 weeks of chemotherapy. My goodness. When was this? Uh, it was about two years ago. Okay, and you were playing hockey at the time, weren't you? Yeah, I, I got the chance to play hockey when I was doing chemo, so that was pretty, it was an honor. You get you kept playing through chemo. How did you manage that? Yeah, it was pretty hard. My lit, uh, energy was a little down, but it was I f fought through it, and it's pretty fun to play. What were your teammates like at that time? Oh, they were definitely uh, supportive, and they're all uh, gathering around me and. They made it fun for me, and yeah, it's fun. They all shaved their they all shaved their head for me. Well, I was going to ask you. So you lost your hair? Yeah. And the teammates got on board with that, eh? Yeah, it was pretty fun. I got to shave all their heads for them. <laughs> oh, good yeah. man. Yep. Yeah. So, fun. tell us a little bit about now. Are you cancer free now, Ethan? 
Yeah, I'm done. I'm fine. I'm feeling fine. I'm playing hockey now, and um, no symptoms. When you I found go, out I, you were, I go through checkups now, and it's all good. When you found out you were cancer-free, what was that day like? Oh, it was a relief for sure, and it was obviously I was happy, and I was yeah, I was excited. And uh, a family day weekend. Did you play in that big Stollery tournament at Terwilliger? Yeah, we I got to play in it. It was pretty fun. We got the we got the win out of it, and we won the tournament, and it was pretty fun. Oh, you won the tournament. Good man. And you're the captain of your team, aren't you? Yep. Yep. What does that mean to you to be the captain? Pretty special to honor my team. I'm the captain, and it's pretty it's pretty fun. Going through what you did, you know, with the with the tumor and uh, in, the, in your kidney that was cancerous and, and battling that. Did that change your perspective on hockey or life or anything? How did that change you as a person? Yeah, it's obviously I went through a lot and I, pretty, I, I battled through it and I try to forget about, not forget about it, but move on now and yeah, I'm done. Hopefully well, don't come back. Well, right on. Well, Ethan, good for you. Continued success this season. Congratulations on being this week's 630 Chet MVP. You're definitely a fighter, and, and good for you guys at the Staller Tournament as well. I hope we can talk again, okay, buddy? Okay, thank you. That is Ethan Hughes checking in from the Canadian Athletic Club PWAA team. Man, so a couple of years ago, he's playing through chemo, had a Wilms tumor in his kidney. He shaved all his teammates' head as they were supporting him. And uh, they're back winning the tournament this year. Good stuff. By the way, you can nominate an MVP by looking under the local tab on 630Ched.com. That is courtesy Elite Promotional Marketing. Quick check of the scoreboard before we sign off. Blue Jackets beat the Senators 3-zip late in the third. Avalanche lead Chicago 4-3. Eight minutes left in Detroit. Wild up 3-2 on the wings. No score after one. Ducks and Flames. Jets and Golden Knights coming up later. The Raptors beat the Spurs 120-117. It's 1-1 Golden Bears and Dinos after the first period. Game one of their Canada West semifinal here at Claire Drake Arena. I'll uh, tweet out the uh, final score tonight. You can also follow along on CanadaWest.org or watch it on CanadaWest.tv. You do have to pay a little bit to watch those games. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. No McDavid tomorrow. He's suspended. Oilers and Ducks at 8. Our coverage starts with the face-off show at 6.30. Thanks to everybody for listening tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend. Maybe tomorrow I want to settle down Until tomorrow I'll just keep moving on Today's Friday. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.